This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. Is if you don't have a Bible with you, um, please download uh, the YouVersion app. It's free. And we're going to be using the Christian Standard Bible this morning. And the reason I say that is because we're going through a lot of text today. Uh, we're going to be spending time in a lot of the Bible. And so we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 35. And we're going to go all the way through Mark 5, verse 43. It's a long, uh, a bunch of Bible this morning, which is great. Um, it's the only objective thing you're going to hear. So we're going to spend time in it. Um, and we're continuing our series in the Gospel of Mark, Who Then Is This? And really today what we're going to see is that there is no mistaking who Jesus is. We can, we can try and close our eyes to it. People here may have tried to not see it, but, but Jesus in what he's going to display and what he's going to try and show us will show us unequivocally who he is. And we don't want to miss it. I, I had a friend when I was uh, younger, I think I was in fifth or sixth grade, he lived next door to me, and he was a Lego guy. So I was never a Lego guy. Some of you in here uh, are Lego guys or girls. You love Legos. You loved playing with them. Maybe you still play with them. I don't know. Um, somebody gave me a, a Lego set not too long ago, and it was amazing. Um, it was like a friend's cafe Lego set, you know, it's like, hey, you can do this, it's fun, so people, there's still Legos to do, Star Wars Legos and all these Legos, and my, my buddy next door uh, was a Lego guy, well, we were living in Michigan at the time, and down the street from us, they were building a Courtyard Marriott, it was like brand new, Courtyard Marriott, and so he decided, he liked that, and so he built his own legit, like, Courtyard Marriott in his basement, it was massive out of Legos, and I remember going down there the first time, and he's like, I built the Courtyard Marriott. I'm like, oh my goodness, you built a Courtyard Marriott, you know? I thought, one, that's cool. And two, I'm like, how long did this... Really what I was thinking was, because I was a, kind of a jerk, was like, well, what a waste of time this must have been uh, for you to do this. But I remember, I remember going, oh, this is cool. And I remember going to grab a, a Lego guy and move it. And he went, hey, hey, hang on. You know, and I, I have it in my hand. You know, play. I'm, just, I'm, like, I'm just gonna play stuff here. I'm like playing with it. He goes, no, 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 that guy belongs here. And he grabs out of my hands and he puts it back where it belonged. I was like, okay, don't touch Lego guy's stuff. Like there's something about the Lego guy because when the master Lego, Lego builder and the king of the Lego speaks, the Legos listen. The Legos will go where he wants them to go. He built them. This is where he wants them. And they're going to do what he says. And when the creator of all creation... And the king of creation speaks, all of creation listens. And this is what we're going to see this morning. When the king of everything, when the one who made everything speaks, the creation obeys his voice. The creation listens and listens immediately. There isn't like any stopping. It's they will listen when the Creator says, hey, no, 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 that's not it. We're not doing this. Here, the creation says, okay. All creation does this except for us. Except for you and me. His own image bearers. We're the ones that are the ones that are like, yeah, I don't think so. 
I'm not sure we're going sure to follow you right now on this one. And the question is, why? Why is it? We know that it's sin, right? But why is it even as Christians, we struggle? Yes, we have sin in our lives. We struggle to just listen. Why is it? I'm going to answer that question. It's a question I'm going to answer later. I want you to hold on to that because all of, we're going to see in the text, all of creation obeys his voice. This is the big idea this morning. All creation obeys the voice of its creator and king. This is, this is unequivocal from what we're going to see Jesus do today. When Jesus says, nope, not going to deal with that right now. We're going to do something different. Whatever's going on says, okay, you got it. You got it because you made us, and we're going to go that way. What I'm going to do is this. I'm going to, I'm going to talk through four, we've talked about this before, four reels. You know, on social media, you have reels. Like people just, there's just little short little snippets of things going on. Really, we see four reels in the life of Jesus. Four things in the life of Jesus here that we're going we're gonna to just take a look at. And really what they're going to point to is four reels of obedience to the king. There's going to be four stories, four pictures, four reels of obedience to the king, to the creator and to the king. You know, um, last week Tyler talked about uh, the ordinariness and how Jesus came in ordinary human um, you know, he looks like us. There's nothing seemingly extraordinary about him. What we're going to see is that Jesus may seem ordinary, but Jesus is extraordinary. There's something really different about him, and it, and it should cause us to worship him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read uh, just this first reel here, and then uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. Four reels of obedience to the king. The first is the wind and the sea, the physical world obeys him. Take a look with me here at uh, chapter 4, verse 35. It says, on that day. Now, that is referring back to chapter 4, verse 1. He began to teach by the sea. So everything, Mark's saying that everything that took place between chapter 4, verse 1 and here is on a day. He's a, it's a teaching. Jesus is spending time teaching the people. And so on that day... When evening had come, he told them, he told the disciples, hey, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So now they're going to go over onto the other side, which we're going to see him land there here in a moment. But on the other side of the sea, they're just going straight across. You can see across. It's not, it's not like super far, or if you're from Boston, wicked far. Um, it's not that far. Like you can actually see across the Sea of Galilee. And so here, he says, we're just going to go to the other side of here. And so they left the crowd and took, took him along since he was already in the boat. He was doing his teaching from there. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking over the boats so that the boat was already being swamped. Now think about this. This isn't, you know, this isn't the, the case like if I were in a boat... Or maybe if you were in a boat, I remember being in a canoe one time, and as soon as I got in it, I thought it was going to fall over, you know? Like, I don't know how to be in a boat. I have no idea what that's like. These guys were fishermen. They, they, had, been on that, they had been on that sea for a long time. And here, this storm was so intense that even the fishermen were terrified. They were trying to figure out what is happening, and we see Jesus in the stern, sleeping. He's sleeping on the cushion. Now, either he was um, really, really tired, which probably was the case, um, or he didn't have anything to worry about. 
because when uh, the one who makes something is in danger, is there really any danger? I remember, I remember uh, you know, thinking my kids were younger, you know, they're, they're old enough they can be in a bathtub and they're playing around and they're splashing and it's great and the water starts to move and the rubber ducky's going all along and, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, hey, let's calm it down a little bit and they kind of stop and everything kind of calls. There was never any fear there. No fear that they're not going to die. You know, we're all there. Everything's, we're in control of the situation. And here Jesus is in the middle of his bathtub, the Sea of Galilee, He's thinking, I don't have anything to fear. And here the disciples wake him up. They woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we are going to die? Now, they had seen him do so many things miraculously. They were hoping for something. I, just, I can imagine they were just thinking, something you can do here. And so Jesus gets up. And it says he rebukes the wind. Now, this is a strong term. He rebukes the wind and said to the sea, silence, be still. Essentially what he says to them is, shut it. Enough. Be, be done, be done, be still here. And it says the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And the way that this is, the way that this is actually written, it actually kind of comes across that it was immediate. It wasn't like, they said, give us a second. It was all of a sudden, it was just still. And whatever the disciples thought was going to happen wasn't this. You know how I know that? Because when it all took place, it says, the wind ceased, there was a great calm. Then Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Don't you know we're in my bathtub? What? Don't you know who I am? We're in, the, man, we're in the bathtub like I made this thing. I turned the faucet on. Here it is. We're not going anywhere. What are you afraid of? Don't you have faith? Like, what's going on? Now, we could do a sermon on just that phrase. Have you no faith? And we could talk a lot about faith, but I only have a certain amount of time, and I got a lot of text to get through. But here's the thing. Uh, faith matters. And we're going to see it again in a moment. Don't you have any, don't you believe in me? Don't, don't you understand who I am? And listen, they weren't expecting what him to speak in the creation, the wind and the waves, which is really, who can control the wind and the waves? Who does that? And they asked that question, who then is this? Which is the, the whole title of our, of our series. They're asking the same question. Who, wait a second, who is this? that even the wind and the waves and the sea obey him. Who is this? Who is this? When the creator and the king speaks, the creation listens. Second reel that we see is that Jesus... Uh, has authority over the body, I'm sorry, over demons and spiritual world because they obey him. Look at verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. This is real number 2. They came to the other side, so they get there. I'm sure a little shaken. I'm sure a little waterlogged. I'm sure uh, asking lots of questions. You know how when you have a situation where something takes place and everybody doesn't talk for a bit? Can I sit there? 
And then you get to their side, and nobody wants to say anything or ask questions, and you go whisper. Everybody starts to whisper. So that's what happened. Like, did you see it? Did that really happen? Were we sleeping in the boat? Was that a dream? What's going on? And they get to the other side, to the region of the Gerasenes. This would have been um, on the clear other side, a little bit more of a Gentile region is where they are now. And as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs, and no one was able to restrain him anymore, not even with the chain, because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but he had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Let me say that again. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Was there anyone strong enough to subdue him? No. No one. That's not hyperbole. That's nobody was. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Here's the picture. This man was terrifying. They'd put chains on him and he'd just break them. They, they couldn't subdue. Nobody could even get near him. He was a danger. He was dangerous, this man was. And Jesus, in verse 6, when Jesus saw him from a distance, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. And he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Now this, this, is, a, this is an incredible phrase from demons. And there's a lot of talk between like, well, maybe they were trying to exercise authority over him by, because they knew who he was. He didn't know who they were. And there's, you know, I don't think that we can gather like, oh, this is how we should think about exorcism. I just think that they were trying to figure out why are you here and what are you going to do with us? And I want you to notice, too, that what they, what they say to him, because Jesus had, had said, hey, um, you know, you, you need to, you know, he, they said, don't torment me, because he had said, hey, come out, you unclean spirit. And he said, I beg you before God, don't torment me. You know why? Because they recognized two things. One, this was an authority, superior, God. And two, they assumed something confrontational. This wasn't, this wasn't a friendly encounter. This was something, hey, don't torment us. Don't, don't do that. And Jesus said to them, what is your name? My name is Legion, he answered, because we are many. Now, now we don't know how many there were in there. I mean, a Roman legion is five to 6,000 people. We know that there's 2,000 pigs here in a moment that are going to die because they go in there. So more than one, probably a lot. Jesus is essentially dealing with an army of demons. Here, this, they, he says their name because we are many, and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. They wanted to stay where they were. They wanted to be able to roam free here. And a large herd of pigs was there feeding on the hillside, and the demons begged him, send us to the pigs so that we may enter them. Now, I want you to notice something. Let's just stop for a second. We can read some of these texts here, and we can, we can read these often and just kind of pass by some of the stuff. But I just want to make sure we understand what's happening. Demons who, let's just be honest, in our culture, in our society, we are terrified of demons, right? Like, I mean, 
There's scary movies made about demons. We, we think, I hope there's not a demon in my room. Like, that's, that wakes you up in the middle of the night. Like, I don't want that. If we were to see a demon uh, in, live and in person, we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves because angelic beings are terrifying. You see it all in the Bible. Anytime someone sees an, ange- an angelic being for who they are, they fall down to try and worship the thing. And they had, you know, John, they, John does that in Revelation. And the, the angel says, hang on for a second. You got to get up. That's not right. And so, so we would be terrified, and yet these things aren't just like, we're going to do whatever we want. They say, hang on, Jesus, would you please give us permission to do something? We can't pass over this. They're asking Jesus permission. They can't just go do it. They're saying, okay, please, would you please just not, don't send us out of the region, please just let us go over into the pigs. Let's not miss how how the authority of Jesus is on display, who he is. The demons are waiting to hear from Jesus to know what they should do. Because whatever Jesus says, they will obey it. They will obey it. And they ask, can we go over to the to the pigs. In the large herd, again, we're going to see 2000, at least 2,000. He gave them permission. Okay. Yep. You may go now. What would, what would you like to do over there? You may go now. It's okay. Yeah, you have my permission. Okay. You can go do it. And the unclean spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And a herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. Now, I'm not going to read it all, but, but the demon-possessed man is in his right mind. And he says, Jesus, I don't, look, here's the deal. I want to be with you. Can you imagine being in this state for a long time? And you're like, I don't know what happened, but if I could just stay with you for like maybe, I don't know, for the rest of my life, because if this happens again, I want you around. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go tell people about me. You go share the gospel. I did something in your life. I want you to go tell them about me. I mean, if we could just push the pause button, shouldn't this be our our response? (laughs) Shouldn't this be our response? Jesus, as close as I can get to you. And he says, why don't you just go tell people about me? And so often, don't we say, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that, and then we go to the store and forget. I guarantee you, this man never forgets. And yet, he did something just as miraculous for you and me. He took our sins and he washed them away. He didn't pull a demon out of us, but he did pull uh, the, the stench of sin and the promise of um, death and separation from him away from us, and he gave us forgiveness. And would we be like this man? Yes? Lord, let us be near you. And he says, go tell people about me. And look what, look what happens here. Jesus says in verse 19, go to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you. And so he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. May it be so that we follow this man's lead. I also want to notice that there were people that witnessed the, the pigs. And what they said wasn't, Jesus, do more miracles here. They said, can you please leave? <laughs> yeah, maybe they were like, you just cost us a lot of money. But it also shows the hardness of heart, doesn't it? He just did a miraculous thing. They said, hey, can you just get out of here? Sometimes we can have that response too. But listen, the demons have no choice. 
The spiritual realm has no choice. What the creator says, the creation does. And we have to remember that. That's real number two. Real number three that we see in chapter 5, verse 21 and following here is that Jesus, um, I'm sorry, is that the body and disease and sickness obeys him. Verse 25, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, now he'd gone back, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. And one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Come and lay your hands on her so that she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him and large crowd was following and pressing against him. Imagine, this is a, a, like if you've ever been to a big um, like a sporting event, if you've ever been to a, a concert, if you've been somewhere where there's a lot of people and you're trying to shuffle along and move and you're just pressed in everywhere and people are touching you and it smells bad and all that kind of stuff, like that's happening here, right? This is taking place here and they're just pressing in a, a, against him. And now we're going to push pause on this story to move to another story in verse 25. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. Mark doesn't think much of the doctors of the day, apparently. She had spent everything she had, uh, she had and was uh, not helped at all. On the contrary, she had become worse. Here's what's happening, some sort of probably menstrual issue. And the problem was is that this made her ceremonially, ritually unclean. She was in a lonely place. She was experiencing lonely places. She, she couldn't be touched, she couldn't touch, she couldn't be near, she couldn't come in towards people because she was unclean. This reminds us a little bit of the, the leper that Jesus healed not too long ago, only with one pretty significant difference that we're going to see in a moment. Verse 27, having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd because she had heard, hey, this man's healing, this man's healing people. Maybe he can heal me. We talk about faith. Hey, maybe he can heal me. Maybe he can do something for me. And so what, what this woman does is she doesn't come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you heal me? You know, Jesus came up to the leper and he touched the leper. He wasn't supposed to do it, but that was on his initiative. She came up behind him and her thought was, if I just touch his clothes, I think maybe I can even just be healed. And so she came up behind him and she touched his clothing. By the way, this is not an apologetic for uh, a lot of people who go to relic sites and just touch things Jesus touched and find healing because it has nothing to do with the garment. It has everything to do with the faith. It's not the thing. It's Jesus and his spirit and who he is as God and, and everything obeys him and her desire to be healed. And not only that, but her belief that he could do it. And so she initiates the contact, and she, as an unclean per person, reaches out and touches his clothing. And instantly, this doesn't take long, instantly her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. She knew it immediately. You, you know who else knew it immediately? Jesus. Because he felt something. He felt some power go out. He sensed something. And in his, in his uh, humanity and his deity, that 
crazy incarnation, 100% God, 100% man. In that, he's trying to figure out, wait, who was it that touched me? And his disciples are saying, you're nuts because everybody's touching you. (laughs) What are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. What do you mean who's touching you? Everybody is. And he's saying, no, no, hang on for a second. Somebody somebody touched me. He's looking around in verse 32. Who, Who did this? And the woman had tried to get away, but the woman, with fear and trembling, because she realized, I touched a man, now he is unclean. She doesn't want to be caught. She doesn't want to be noticed. And he's trying to figure out who it is. And knowing, you know, knowing what happened to her, she came and she, she confessed. She fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Look, I, I, I had this flow of blood. I, I didn't know what to do. I thought you could heal me, and so I just wanted to touch. I figured if I just touched your cloak, you could heal me. That, that's all I thought. I, I didn't want to cause any problems. I didn't want to cause any trouble. I just, I just wanted to find healing. I was lonely. I was in a lonely place. And I thought you could help me. I thought you could heal me. And as she's recounting the story, as she's trembling, Jesus, as a sign, I think, of affirmation and just care for her, calls her daughter. This is the only time he does this in the whole New Testament. This is the only account where he calls somebody daughter. And he says, daughter. I love that. Daughter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. Maybe what she thought he was going to say is, great, now I got to stop doing this and I got to go to the temple and I got to go clean, you know, I got to do all this stuff and he doesn't. You know why? Because, because normally when, when somebody touches something unclean, it becomes unclean. When the creator and the king touches something unclean, the unclean thing can't help but to become clean. And the body and the disease and the sickness said, oh, the creator says, done, all right, switch it up. We're out of here. We're gone. Because the the disease and the sickness must obey him. There is no other choice. When the creator says, yeah, you need to leave this body, the sickness says, you got it. Which causes problems for some of us because uh, we've been asking him to do that in us and he has not done it. Yes? And it causes a faith crisis. But sometimes we don't know what God is saving us from by not giving us the answers to prayer that we're asking. Because, as always, God knows what's best for you. Even when he doesn't answer the prayers that we want him to answer for us the way that we want him to answer them. This also is active faith. When we ask God for something and he doesn't give it to us, faith says, this is hard for me, but Lord, I trust that you are good in this. And so exercised faith sometimes just means enduring and trusting that God, as always, knows best. But here she's healed because all creation obeys the voice of its creator and king. Got three reels so far. We got the wind and the waves. This all of the physical world. We have the demons, the spiritual world. We have the human body, sickness and disease, and all the cells and the atoms and the molecules that are here. Listen to him. And 
Now we go back to this other story because he was going to heal this other uh, girl, Jairus' daughter. He was on his way and he got interrupted. There was an interruption that took place and so he had to stop and wait and he took some time here and now we have a problem. But what we're going to see is that it's not just limited to the physical world and the spiritual world and the body that obeys him, but death itself obeys him. Church, death itself cannot say no to the king. It will reverse itself if he says reversed. And he'll take care of this once and for all, forever for those who trust in him, on the cross and in the resurrection. But in the meantime, we have a moment that we get to see it, and here it is. While he was still speaking, verse 35, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And I can just imagine that as a dad, wouldn't you feel like, why did you stop for the sick person here and didn't just proceed? Because if you had been there, this would have happened to her. And man, the timing seems just wrong. God, don't you know what you're doing? Does that sound familiar? God, don't you know what you're doing? Like we can be... We could be really strong Christians and we still have, God, don't you know what you're doing moments. And if you say you don't, maybe there's an integrity problem because we are human beings. We can't see tomorrow. I I can't even see 10 minutes from now. I don't know what's going to happen. I know the here and now and I deal with it. Jairus, Knew the here and now. My daughter's sick. That man can heal him. This woman interrupted him. Now we have a problem because she's dead. And he doesn't know what to do about it. And the synagogue ruler says, hey, let's not bother the teacher anymore. But Jesus overheard the conversation. And he told the synagogue leader, hey, don't be afraid. Believe. Don't be afraid. Don't you know who I am? Maybe they're saying, who then is this? So don't you know who I am? Believe, trust. Faith matters here. Believe. In verse 37, he did not let anyone accompany him except for Peter, James, and John, James' brother. This is kind of his inner circle. We, we have an inner circle of friends, Peter, James, and John. Hey, you, you three come with me. Of the disciples, take care of the crowds, make sure everybody's safe, do all this kind of stuff. You guys, you guys come with me here. And so they do, they go. And they came to the leader's house, verse 38, and he saw a commotion. Now, there were people that were professional mourners. They would hire to come and mourn. So they're wailing, they're weeping, they're crying, they're in, they're in their, their garb here. They're just, they're trying to, you know, create this um, environment of loss and mourning. It's something that they would do. And so they brought them into the house, and Jesus hears the commotion, and he, sa- and he says to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? Because she's not dead, she's asleep. Now we know she's not asleep because Mark's already confirmed she's dead. All right, she's dead. But Jesus is saying, no, no, she's, hey, she's sleeping. It's all right. Don't you believe? And I want you to take a look. Verse 40, they laughed at him. They laughed at him. But he put them all outside. And he took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha kum, which is translated little girl, 
I say to you, get up. And immediately, look, this wasn't like she, you know, it wasn't like watching a, a Disney movie or something where it's like, oh, oh wait, she's, is she waking? You know, the, the Beauty and the Beast, like the, the, um, the rose comes back and slowly he's transformed. No, it's not that. Immediately she opens her eyes and she's like, hey, everybody, like what's going on? You know, how, what's happening here? Like it, was, it didn't take very long for death to realize, oh, the creator says, this needs to be over, and so, hey, bring life back into her body. Do it. Quick. Make it happen. He says it. We obey it. Done. Immediately, immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. And at this, they were utterly astounded. I remember, I've watched, I've watched magicians, you know, like do cool magic tricks, and there are times I'm utterly astounded. I go, wait a second. Is this person a magician? Is there something else going on here? Like, is there a, like, what's happening? You can like watch a really good sleight of hand artist and you're just utterly astounded. What if that was for real? Because this girl was dead and Jesus says, hey, little girl, time to wake up. And she opens her eyes. And then he carries on the messianic secret and he says, hey, can you not tell anyone what happened here? Because, because it's not my time. She was asleep. And she is no longer sleeping. She's awake and she's no longer dead. She's alive because all of creation obeys the voice of its creator. This is the deal. Four reels of obedience to the king. Four reels of creation saying, we, we can't stand against you. If you tell us, if you were, we're wind and waves, if we are sickness, if we're demons, if we're death, if, if the king and the creator says, hey, we need to reverse this, this needs to go the other way, it will immediately say, got it. Which really shows, we ask the question, who then is this? We, we know who he is. There is no more question. Who is he? He is the king of the universe, the God who made everything. He is the Lord God Almighty. He's the God of the Old Testament, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the one who, who was and is and is to come, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light, the one who said, stars, go in the, go in the, the, go in the sky, and they did, the one who said, hey, fish, swim here, and they did, the one who breathed life into everything, this is who Jesus is, and he's still functioning this way. And all of creation listens to him immediately, without question, except for you and me. And we see it here. In the, it's actually start, startling here in the text itself because the disciples are confused. They don't know what's going on. They thought one thing and they just didn't know what's happening. You have people saying, Jesus, leave here. Get out of here. You have people laughing at him. We, we question sometimes. We are the only ones that won't immediately just say, what? Oh, Jesus, you said this? Yep, we're doing it. Now, sin came into the world. We are all fallen. We have this in us. It's, it's this thing in us that causes us to, to turn to other things. And for some of you in this room, you're still turning to other things and you have never trusted the king, the creator. You're still just turning and going your own way. You have not said, I want the king to be my king. You're not Christians. Maybe you're in high school and you're just, your parents believe it, but you don't. Maybe you grew up in the church and you've kind of wondered what the church is about now and you're not sure who Jesus is. Maybe you're not a church person and you're not sure what's going on. 
Here's what I would say to you from this text. If that's you, if you're not a Christian, I would just say, all of creation listens to the voice of its creator and king. And ultimately, you, along with all of us, will bow down before him. The question is, will we do it willingly with joy or will we do it with fear? Because right now, there's an opportunity. You have an opportunity now to say, Jesus, hang on for a second. You are the, you are the king of everything. And this preacher is saying that, that you are the one who can, and I'm going to tell you now, save me. You can take away all of my guilt and my shame in my life and you can do away with it because you, die, you died for me. I don't even know what that means. But show me, if that's you, I would say that exact same prayer and watch what God does. Because he's the king of new life. And he's the king who will change your life. He's the creator and all creation will obey its voice in the end one way or another. Ultimately, the reason I think that we, with sin in the background, that we don't just immediately obey him is because he's just not big enough for us. We just don't see him as big enough. And this is a, this is a tragedy for us because, because the way that we get ourselves out of our own way in life and we trust him is to see him as big enough. We want him to grow in our eyes. We want the gospel to be so high. We want his good news, the cross and the empty tomb and the resurrection to be so massive, his love for us to be so... Uh, you know, coming inside of us that we are overwhelmed by it and he grows and we get smaller and he gets bigger. But often in a distracted world, we wind up getting bigger because we have our social media accounts we got to grow. We have businesses we got to do. We have lots of things that we're doing. We got sports teams to go, which are not bad things. The problem is they become bad things if they become so consuming that Jesus becomes like a little ant to us because he's not, listen, all of creation, every planet, it's in its place because he said to be there. And yet we at times just go, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure I'm going to follow what Jesus says. This is absolute. For, I guarantee you, for all of creation, they're just like, why are these people like this? If they could speak, they'd say, what are they doing? Even the demons say, Jesus, will you let us do this? Church, we, we have to see Jesus as bigger we have to see him as greater. We have to behold the king is what we have to do. We have to behold him for who he is, which is my live it out point. I have one for you. It's this, behold your king, Christian. Behold your king. He needs to grow in your eyes. He needs to grow in my eyes. We need to see him as the one who commands the seas to cease. The one who tells the demons, yeah, you can do that. The one who looks at the body and says, sickness, you can get out of here now. The one who says to death, be done. Look, flip it. No more death, life coming in. We need to see him like this. Not just as somebody who just is there and it's like, oh yeah, he's nice to have if we need him, like a genie from Aladdin. Like, hey, let's just, hey, it's time to get the lamp out again. No, he is the daily king of our lives. And we need to see him that way. You know what? We have four values. Purposely biblical. Joyfully generous, relentlessly outward, passionately one. We will only grow in these and leave these out properly if Jesus is big enough. It's the only way that's going to happen if he's big enough. He's proven himself here to be the God of the Old Testament. 
Psalm 65, we, we see it. It's going to be on the screen for you. We read in Psalm 65, You answer us in righteousness. You are with awe-inspiring works. God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the distant seas. You establish the mountains by your power. You are robed with strength. You silence the roar of the seas, the roar of their waves. This is who Jesus is. Go back and read the book of Job. Satan himself, it's not just demons, Satan himself had to ask God permission to do anything to Job. So we sit here scared of like, we think that somehow in, in our culture, there's this cosmic war. God, Satan, I don't know who, we bite our fingernails, who's going to win? I don't know. It's not even, it's not even a close race. Because Satan, who's the great opposition, I'm terrified of him. (laughs) But not when it comes down to me feeling like, oh no, he's going to do something to me because I'm scared of him. No, the spirit that lives in me is the spirit of Christ, who he has to ask permission to do anything. Psalm 103, my soul, bless the Lord and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. This is who Jesus is. And he himself would raise himself up to life, conquering sin and death for you and me. Ultimately forever. Death is overturned at the empty tomb. We get to see it fully. Jesus, this is a picture of who he is. This is who we worship. We need to behold the king. You need to see who he is. You will only worship him and you will only believe in him and trust in him as much as you know him. So are you, are you taking the time to know him? Are you trying to, are you jumping into an, into a huddle group? Are you jumping into a community where we're digging into the Bible and we're trying to help each other see who he is to study it? Are you going to the women's Bible study? Are you doing Bible studies together? Are you just digging into the Word? Do you have personal times where you're just trying to figure out, hey, who is he? Because the God of the Old Testament we see very clearly in the person of Jesus. We want to know him. By the way, if you want to know about our anchor communities, our anchor huddles, uh, there's an orange sign back there. There's two QR codes. Uh, one will take you to get some more information about a huddle group. The other will be about a community. Huddles are about three to four people, gender specific. Get together once a week over coffee or something and just talk about Jesus. Communities are about 10 to 25 people or so, mixed. Uh, you know, you can have men and women in there. Couples go to that. And that's we're just getting together, getting to know each other, talking about Jesus. Join them. Go back there, scan those QR codes, and, and get some more information on those. Listen, all creation obeys the voice of its creator and king. We see it very clearly here, and we need to see him big enough. Julie, can come on up and get ready to sing. Here's a question for you. How might God change you if he was big enough for you? How might God change Anchor if he was big enough for all of us? If we saw him big enough for who he was? How might, how might uh, he change the community if he was big enough in our eyes? If we just, all of us, just said, I want to see Jesus. I want to see you as for who you are. I want to see you big enough for, for me. I want, I want you to grow in my eyes. I don't want to be the king of my life. I want you to do it. Show me how. Show me who you are. What if we all did that? What might God do in you, in us, and in the East Valley? I just wonder. I wonder what God might do eager to see it, 
May we walk forward that way and find him working that way. Amen? Yes? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for, uh, for your word. Thank you that we get to jump into it. Jesus, thank you for these snapshots of your life and, and ways that we see you at work. Lord, may you be big enough for us. May you be big enough for me. I'm a pastor and you're not big enough for me. So many times in my life, I'm just so tempted to run to other things and trust something else but you. Lord, would you work in me? Help me to not do that. Help me to see you more clearly. Be big enough for me. Be big enough for us. Lord, grow us deeper in the soil of your grace, of your faithfulness, of your glory and your might and power. Do it in us, Lord, for your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and respond in song. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.